You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Been waiting all week for this moment, guys. Been waiting all week. What, you're just excited about Denver, Minnesota wrapping up? Yep. Been waiting for Carl Towns to go home. No! No, Tom. Tony Brothers. Remember that name? Remember our segment on Tony Brothers last week? Well, what happened the day after we pointed out that there was a less than 1% chance that Tony Brothers would not be on a Spencer Dinwiddie game? He was on a Spencer Dinwiddie game. There it is. Coincidentally, right? And they just got it in in time because guess what? Brooklyn got sent home. No more Spencer Dinwiddie games this season, folks. Tony Brothers can breathe easy. Then have to worry about running into Spencer Dinwiddie down a dark alley of a basketball court before 20,000 fans. Look, I know we've done this before with regards to the league. No coincidences. No accidents. But goddamn, man, it's one of two things. Either we're influencing them or we have the most amazing timing in podcast history. Either or, what a great advertisement for our pod, right? Why not both? <laughs> Look, guys, the referee assignments, I'm told, are made before the series games one through four. Mm-hmm. Okay. One through four are already assigned. So Tony Brothers was already assigned game three before our podcast was taped. Sure. So therefore, no guys, it's 
totally random. Sure. Nothing to see here. Man, if you want to go to Vegas? Let's go, man. Like, it's all just random. And we're just randomly hitting on all of these ref assignments and ref assignment discrepancies. If you remember the Ben Taylor episode, now the Tony Brothers episode. We're just lucky. I guess we're just lucky when it comes to figuring out who's going to do what. So I'm going to go play roulette. You joining me? Put it all on zero. Because that's the number of games that Tony Brothers had with Spencer Dinwiddie until Thursday of last week. Can I put some money on two? Because that's the number of ejections that happened in that game. Oh, man. Yeah, we haven't even <laughs> talked about the game. What the hell happened in that game? It's one thing to put Tony Brothers on the game. It's another for it to be one of the craziest playoff games we've seen in a long time. You had Nick Claxton dunking on Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. stepping over him, Allen Iverson's style, which can't be good. I think that's why they got swept is because they pulled the Allen Iverson on a Philadelphia 76ers player, mm-hmm. steps over Embiid, and then Embiid kicks him in the nuts. Straight up, kicks him in the nuts. That's a long leg going really high in the air, man. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kicks him in the leg. Sorry. Kicks him in the leg. Oh, <sighs> uh-huh. yeah. Hold on. How do we know that Claxton doesn't have long ass balls? <laughs> Clip it, Mace. You got long balls, Larry. Long balls. You got long ass balls. I've got long balls. Doctor, you seen his balls, right? W- would you say my balls are unusually long? They're a bit more distended than the average testicles. You got long ass balls, Larry. Long ball, Larry. That's your new name. We have that in the wake, literally in the aftershock of the Draymond Green one game suspension. We have everybody scrambling to not eject Embiid from this game because he doesn't have the track record of a Draymond Green, I suppose. Ask Marcus Smart about the track record of Joel Embiid and unnecessary and excessive acts, flopping, dirty plays. There are plenty of players around the league that would contend that Joel Embiid has quite the track record here. And I would say... Is Joella Bead's kick to the nuts, was it unnecessary? Yeah, yeah. Was it excessive? I would say so. But not by definition of flagrant two somehow. Because he didn't land it squarely in the nuts? He missed. Attempted murder is not as awful as murder. Mm. If we're going to use the criminal justice system. Because that's what we're doing here. You're still thrown in jail, right? But you know what? We'll make it all better. Let's eject Nick Claxton. Later in the game. Let's eject James Harden too. That'll cover our tracks. Paper over it. What was Nick Claxton's ejectable offense here? Staring. He looked in the direction of Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. And who was the one who ejected him? Who teed him up? Was it my guy? Tony was it brothers? Tony brothers. You're my brothers. Tony brothers. Tease him up. And you know, referees, I guess a T is a T is a T. Should Tony brothers not give him a technical because he already has a tech. He's got a point against him. So it would be an ejectable technical foul. What do you think there? Well, I mean, obviously when Draymond Green blocks the bonus and yelled at him and stared at him and he also had a technical and he's got a track record, he should get ejected too, right? Right. Based on what happened to Nick Claxton, but it didn't happen. Was there an intent to injure for Nick Claxton? The shot for Joel Embiid kicking him? The stare? (laughs) 
He definitely intended to injure him. If looks could kill, that's where that came from. It came from Nick Claxton. What is it? The conservatory of points. The conservatory of... Conservation. Yeah. The conservation... It's not a chamber orchestra, Tom. (laughs) I was thinking it was a clue. (laughs) He had the whistle in the conservatory. (laughs) The conservation of ejections, right? So we have the kick, the stomp. The stare. And the tap. That wasn't a tap. The James Harden on Royce O'Neal. Oh, that's a tap. I thought you meant the Dylan Brooks sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. Or pendulum swing. You know, Amin and I, Maze, I wish you were part of this. Amin and I went to the Clevelander Dude. way back in the day, in the ESPN days. Years ago. I had written an ESPN the magazine story. I swear to God, an investigative report about the history and epidemic of nut shots in the NBA. This was the pinnacle of sports journalism. Dare I say... Any journalism. Welcome to a special edition of True Hoop TV on the HQ Highly Questionable set. I'm joined here by my esteemed colleagues. We got Dan Lebetard over here and uh, me and El Hassan, the Hey Hard King himself. We're here to discuss something very important here, as you can tell by what we're wearing. It's really serious. A history and epidemic of low blows. Crotch shots, below the belt, what other ways you want to been doing this for weeks now right months months working on this story at least a month i've been researching the anatomy of the crotch shot let me just ask if you had to pick the most notorious ball grabber in the nba or ball tapper who are you nominating i think it's reggie evans players who played with him said he did it in practice not even just in games he was doing in the practice you know going up for rebounds he just gains position and goes for the low blow i'm wondering has this ever been covered quite this thoroughly on any any medium yeah, I'm the guy. All right, I'm the guy. Uh, and that was hard-hitting journalism. I yeah. didn't even, that was just off the top of my head. Hard-hitting journalism from uh, me and El Hassan, Dan Lebetard, on the Highly Questionable set. Thanks for joining us on this very special True TV. Your head looks like a testicle. <laughs> the one I keep thinking about is the Marcus Smart, Matt Bonner one. Mm. Marcus Smart wound up with an under just, boom, right through Matt Bonner's jewels. I hurt every time I watch that video. Every time. So I'm grading what I saw from Marcus Smart with James Harden. Not to defend James Harden here. James Harden was trying to push off Royce O'Neal to create space dribbling away. That's a basketball move. LeBron does it all the time. And he gets ejected? I remember on the broadcast, you had Reggie Miller, I think it was, debating, like, is it a technical or a flagrant one? And then they come in, Tony Brothers. Flagrant two, ejected. The conservation of ejections. All this nut-punching talk reminds me of Carlos Boozer in 2013 after he hits the and one layup. He does the huge celebration wind-up and punches Danny Crawford right in the nuts. Oh, oh wow. Was, he did get it. Low, yeah. <laughs> that was almost glorious YouTube magic forever. Oh, I think it will be. Well, guys, when I went on Lebetard a few weeks ago and I said that the league and the players and the referees, the distrust among them is as high as I've ever seen it in covering the league. What we saw from DeJounte Murray bumping into Jetaminas Petraeus after the game. General Petraeus. That was over the line. And DeJounte Murray, it's one, two, three Cancun for him. That's it. He was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm done with this whole Hawks season, this whole weird season. This whole Hawks organization. (laughs) And then Jason Tatum bumping into G again. Like he kind of brushed the referee aside and Boston fans. That was General Petraeus again? Yeah. Oh my God. Yo, at some point you got to look in the mirror, buddy. 
Why did pick it on me? Maybe it's me. Yeah, but it was both sides. It was the conservation of bumping into things yeah. that he did it with a Celtics player earlier and then exactly turned the favor later. Balance it out. But it's been ugly, guys. All these games seem to be tainted by either an ejection or technical fouls or application of the rules or an injury. Kawhi, all of it. Guys. This is why you listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. the audience looking out and trying to figure out what NBA podcast to listen to, which one in the playoffs should you be listening to? I can't think of a better reason than we tell you things that are going to happen before they happen. Mm-hmm. So we got our third eye open and not corny things like who's going to win the series. There's 8 billion podcasts to do that. We're telling you which refs are going to be reffing. We're telling you which punishments are coming down the pike. And we're telling you so much more. I love the idea of doing an ad for our podcast within our podcast, thus attracting the people who are already listening. Third eye open. Tom, who's getting punched in the dick next? My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. (laughs) Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Aberstro, and as always, I am joined by my five-star Illumin Army generals, Amin Al-Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, presidents of the Illumination. I don't know if you can hear that hot take train coming behind me, but man, later in this episode, we are going to talk about all of the trees falling in the woods. In the NBA, there is a new epidemic, not nutshots. I'm talking about trees falling, specifically Joel Embiid. Why does he keep falling all the time? Because he's nuts. How many times does he actually fall? Big tree fall hard. Anthony Davis, John Morant, flopping, all of it. We're going to get into some research that I did in a segment I like to call Tom Did His Own Research. But first. You are listening to the The Super Agenda. Super sizes are back. They said to make it huge. I don't care. Just supersize me. With Tom Haverstroh and Amino Hassan. This right here is the super agenda. Because there's just too much going on, guys. Too much. We sat here putting our heads together, trying to come up with one thread to connect all of the dots. And you know what all the dots are? There's a lot of dots, man. It's like looking at a starry night. It's just the playoffs. Dude. That's it. Boom. 
We had a super cold open and now a super agenda. Whew. Super duper. Super size it. Super episode. Super size me. It's a good documentary. I wanted to do that, by the way. Eat McDonald's. Did you guys ever want to do that? Just eat McDonald's for 30 days? Tom, we don't have time for this. Okay. It's a super agenda. We have too many topics. It's a super agenda. You can go eat McDonald's anytime you want. We're super budgeted for time here. Okay. Here we are. The Miami Heat. Jeremy Taché. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to get into the Lakers and Dylan Brooks. We're going to get into all the other stuff that's happening around the league. But let's start with the Miami Heat and Jimmy Buckets. Holy shit, dude. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Giannis came back and it didn't matter too much. And now they have the one seed down 3-1 on the brink of elimination. And as I saw it phrased, they have three chances to close out the series, which is a weird way of phrasing that. <laughs> yeah. You got three chances to win one. It's like the old free throws, right? You get three chances to hit two. But guys, this is the sexiest thing in NBA playoff lore, right? The eight beating the one. They're written in stone. Their names are spelled across the sky. Oh, remember when Dikembe Mutombo and the Nuggets beat the Sonics and Mutombo was lying on the ground and the ball over his head. Oh my God. Oh, it's never happened before. And then a couple years after that, remember when Allen Houston hit the shot against Miami at Miami arena. And at the time, 19 year old Amid ran around screaming at the student center at Georgia tech saying, yeah, yeah. Bing bong. And someone chastised me because people are studying for their finals. And my retort was it's the playoffs. Playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? You don't understand. This is yeah, bigger this, than your finals. Bigger than your grades, yeah. And then you said, F Trey Young. And they said, who's Trey Young? And then I said the line from Back to the Future. Give it some time. Your kids are going to love it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we said, oh, well, it happens in five-game series, and it'll never happen in a seven-game series. And what do we get? The We Believe Warriors, they tanked in order to get eight because they wanted to play Dallas because Nelly wanted his revenge, and they got it. And if you go, well, it was at Oracle. I don't know if they transferred it over to Chase Center, but they have the T-shirt covering the hole in the wall from the chair that Dirk Nowitzki flung. I like to think that we got Dirk to come by and do it again in the Chase Center. This is what I told Raymond Ritter. I told him you guys should like literally saw out that piece of drywall with the thing and then glass encase it and bring it over to Chasen. Like Wiley e. Coyote, just like take a saw. Yep. Preserve it as is. Okay, okay. We got the hole over here. We got dirt to mix it through the chair. Right, drop it over here. You got the little saw here. We're going to take a 90 degree angle here. Ah, yeah. We all listen to Ethan's podcast. How about that? <laughs> it's my limited fake Ethan Strauss, limited fake Raymond Ritter right there. I mean, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait. So, uh, I, I'm not done writing it across the stars, man. There's so many more. 2011, we get the, the grit and grind. They arrive on the scene as an eight seed. They beat the mighty 60-win Spurs in six games. And you say, surely it won't happen again. It happened the very next year as Derrick Rose's knee explodes on national TV. Ooh. And Andre Iguodala, no wifing in the club, Andre Iguodala makes sure that his underdog rootin' tootin' Sixers finish the job, and they do. 
And that's the history. Everybody knows these series. Every series I mentioned, people are like, oh, yeah, I remember that, even if they couldn't recite it. You know why? Because 8 over 1 is the rarest thing, and so we cherish mm. every single one of those memories. Isn't that right, guys? Well, um... Should we tell them, Tom? Tell me what? Did I miss one? Yeah, it looks like I did some research here and while you did note did i miss heat over bucks 2023 <laughs> did name five series where the number eight beat the number one the rarest thing in basketball in nba basketball i would posit that actually there's something more rare more rare than an eight seed winning over a one seed are you sitting down for this sitting down everyone i am sitting down now yeah. how about a seven over a two <laughs> let's see if encyclopedamine can guess the five times that the number seven seed has upset the number two seed in NBA history and begin. I'm going to go with the two seed being. See, this is this is what I'm talking about here. The agenda, the people, the mainstream media want you to believe that eight over one mm -hmm. is headline material. That what the Miami Heat are doing to the Milwaukee Bucks, it just never happens. It very rarely happens. But Encyclopedia Mean can't even come up with a seven over a two. Well, I'm just saying like the eight over one is such a big deal. We've written it across the stars. I told you we've written it in stone. It's It's been celebrated and, and songs have been sung about these teams yes. that pulled off these feats. Nobody really talks about seven over two. I hadn't even thought about it as a rarity. It's only happened five times? It's only happened five times. And when did the seven-game series come in? What year was that? The 2004-2005 season was the first in which the first round of the playoffs had seven-game series. Okay, so since 2004, we've had how many two-seven matchups? So two every year, it's 2023, so that's 20. Just shy of 40. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's only happened once. It's only happened once? A seven over a two in a seven game series. Can you name what seven over two upset happened in 2010? Well, now that you narrowed it down for a year to me, I can name it because I know because we played this team in the second round. Mm. We being the Phoenix Suns, we were the three seed that year against the San Antonio Spurs. So I'm going to say San Antonio was that seven seed. who they beat in the first round, though? Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks. Yep, there it is. However, according to our friends at sportsoddshistory.com, the Dallas Mavericks, San Antonio Spurs, even though it was seven and two, it was more like a five over a four. It was like a four or five series based on the odds. Dallas Mavericks were... The favorites at minus 150, the Spurs were plus 130 underdogs. And that's the only time that we have seen a seven over two. The seven over two is what? One and 37 since 2004? That's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. Wait a second. But you said that it's happened. Five, oh, so all the other times happen in best of five series. Yes. And I know you know one of them. I know you know one of those best of five, seven over twos. Knicks over heat, baby. Bing bong. That was another running around and screaming moment. Not quite like Alan Houston hitting the shot. See, that's a problem. The 99 one was so dramatic, whereas uh, 97, 98 was kind of like a lukewarm revenge for 96, 97. Yes. Where the heat came back from a 3-1 deficit to beat the Knicks, which at the time was an unheard thing. How many times does that happen, by the way, coming back from a 3-1 deficit? Why don't we just go straight to Doc and ask him this question? Hey, Doc, how many times has a team blown a 3-1 series lead? Wait, you mean my teams personally? 
I mean, you can talk about those, but I'm just talking generally. Oh, overall, uh, I mean, 13 times, but it's not Blake's fault. I promise it's not Blake's fault. Oh, I was going to ask. Seems like at least one of those times would have had to have been Blake's fault. Nope. It's not Blake's fault. Mm. It's not. And you know, by the way, we have to look at the instigators. You guys are instigators instead of retaliators. We have to start looking at that. The league has to. You're retaliating against me right now. Uh, you're instigating. I'm just asking a question. You're instigating. That's my boy. Okay, Doc. You said recently that you guys had no chemistry on your teams, and that's the reason why you guys didn't have a Look, shot at winning a title. This segment is about 3-1 leads and 7-2 seeds and all that. I don't know how this came about us. We won our series. Matter of fact, I'm going to go prep. I'm going to go prep for Boston or maybe Atlanta. If they pull a 3-1 lead. For those who are keeping track at home, there are five, seven over a two. There's the 2010 Spurs over the Mavericks. 98, that mean mention, Knicks over Heat. In 91, you had the Warriors over the Spurs, 3-1 in a five-game series. In 89, the Warriors did it again. Well, I guess the first time was 89, and then they did it again in 91. Warriors over Utah. They swept them 3-0 despite being heavy underdogs in that series. And then in 87, Seattle over Dallas. So that's been the five, but only one since 2000. It's crazy. So let me get this straight, Tom. Yeah. Since seven-game series in the first round in 2004, three eight-seeds have come back and beat one-seeds. One seven seed has beat a two seed and we've got six three one comebacks so it's more likely that a team will come back from three one down yeah to win a series right now at this moment than it is for an eight to beat a one and most rare of all a seven to beat a two we don't talk about the seven over twos what we're seeing with memphis right now down three one against the lakers that should be the headliner, right? Like the Miami Heat doing this again with Jimmy Butler going to the bubble, getting to the NBA finals. Okay, fine. Then last year, picking a fight with Eric Spolster in a huddle right before the season ends. And then they go a minute, one shot away from making the NBA finals. Mm -hmm. They're doing it again. And it's amazing because how many times, I mean, did we talk about this? either on Levitard or on Illuminati, the fact that they just aren't hitting their threes. This is a good three-point shooting team, one of the best two years ago, one of the worst this season, 27 three-point field goal percentage. And right now, as we're sitting here, Miami Heat have the best three-point percentage in the NBA in this postseason. That's the part that gives me pause before coronation of another eight seed joining that hallowed halls of these great songs that have been written it's the idea that this team that has been maddeningly inconsistent all year long is somehow going to shoot like that one more time they've got one more of those games in them to close out the milwaukee bucks i'm not sure i'm not saying it's not going to happen but that's the thing that gives me pause that's why we say three ones happen more frequently it's probably more likely that the heat will turn back into pumpkins and lose this series than it is them continuing on and joining their name across the stars. Do you think that the Giannis triple-double in game four was the quietest footnote of any triple-double in NBA playoff history? Yeah, it was drowned out by a very loud 56 <laughs> points. <Yeah. laughs> this is ridiculous. Jimmy Butler scored over 20 points in not just one quarter, the opening quarter, but in the fourth quarter where... The Milwaukee Bucks were up by, I think, 
12 points when Jimmy Butler was checking into the game with like eight minutes left. And then Jimmy Butler single-handedly outscored the Milwaukee Bucks team for the following eight minutes of the game. And Reggie Miller can't believe what he sees. And in that jubilation, he says, I think this was the best individual playoff performance I've ever seen. Miami Heat player do. So I was like, wow, that seems pretty aggressive and maybe a little too knee-jerk emotional, Reggie Miller. And then I went to Stathead. What'd you find? Of the Miami Heat's best individual playoff performances, the best games by their metric game score, which is basically PER, an all-in-one metric, who's number one all time? Gotta be LeBron or Dwayne Wade, right? Dwayne Wade is Mr. Miami, right? They named the county after him. Miami Wade County. Well, they just... Changed one letter, but yeah. I mean, they named it. They named it. That happened. I saw it at the airport. It is not D-Wade. It's Jimmy Butler. What? What about LeBron's game against Boston with the the season on the brink where he had the the scowl or whatever they call that game? Reggie Miller, analytics purveyor. He got it spot on. Last night was the number one game scorer in Miami Heat playoff history by a single player. 48.2, 56 points, nine rebounds, two assists, only one turnover, and he shot 16 of 20 on twos. 16 of 20. It's insane. Dude, it was crazy watching him just dribble up to the spot and just rise up and money, 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 money every single time. When he missed it, I was shocked. I was like, oh, what happened? What could go wrong? Number two on the list. Jimmy, LeBron, or Wade? I'm going with Wade. Wade's going to be my answer every single time because he has so many iconic games, and he's Mr. Miami. They named the airport after him. You're probably thinking Dallas series game two in which he scored 36 points. Yeah. Not the clincher where he had 1,000 free throws. That actually is not the correct answer, I mean. No? The answer is... LeBron? Jimmy Butler, 45.9. Last year... Against Boston, 47 points in game six to force a game seven. Okay. Who's number three on the list? It's Dwayne Wade. I mean, look, the guy's Mr. Miami. They named the entire South Florida region after him. It's actually Jimmy Butler. 41 points against Boston in game one. That's actually number three on the list. Number four on the list. Who's your guess? Alonzo Mourning. Let's switch it up a bit. Shaq. It's actually Jimmy Butler again when he scored a 40-point triple-double in the bubble against the Lakers in game three. Oh, well, the bubble doesn't count. All right, let's go to, well, number five is Jimmy Butler again in the bubble at the Lakers. Doesn't count. Not canon. Doesn't count. That's the game I called him Mr. October (laughs) because it happened in October and it was in the finals. Because that'll never happen again. It never happens again. It never really stuck. I wanted him to be called Mr. October and no one really. Damn. Only that nickname wasn't taken. You guys don't like Jimmy Butler? No, I do not like Jimmy Butler. (laughs) I don't either. Jimmy Buckets is the top five in Miami Heat history. Who's at number six? Shannon Anderson. (laughs) Now we're going Patino game. Is number six Jimmy Butler? It's Jimmy Butler. No. (laughs) Come on, man. From the beginning of the story, you guys are unscorable. Unscorable. 45 points, five assists, five rebounds against the Atlanta Hawks last year in the opening round. It was an amazing exercise to see this. Jimmy Butler is not just number one. Not two, not three, not four, not five. But he has each of the top six spots on the Miami Heat 
franchise playoff best individual performances. Let me ask a question. If they win a title, uh-oh. Not multiples, not this year. If they win a title. Stephen A, it feels like you're ramping up to something right now. Does he become the greatest player in Miami Heat history? Okay. So also I looked at this, who has the best PER, not my favorite of all the metrics, but just as a ballpark figure, who has the best playoff PER in Miami heat history. And the answer is LeBron. It's 22.2 career playoff PER in a heat uniform. But right there is Jimmy Butler, 22.1 Ooh, knocking on that door. And then Dwayne Wade's at like 18.6. Maybe this is just stat inflation in the last couple of years in the NBA. And the reason why Jimmy Butler has the six of the top individual performances, stat lines in heat playoff history. LeBron James, his Boston performance checks in at 11th here. There's an Indiana game when he went off for 40 and 18 and nine that checks in at number nine, but Jimmy Butler has eight of the top 10. It's crazy what he's doing. And he got in a fight with Spo last year. He got swept the year before by the same team. The Milwaukee Bucks swept him and he, he was a total pumpkin in that series. And he comes in here and is the MVP of the NBA. But that's getting too much attention, Tom, because it's true. Who cares about an eight seed upsetting a one seed? We want to talk about a seven seed upsetting a two. And I think one of the main reasons that it's not getting as much attention is because Dylan Brooks and John Morant declined to talk to the media. Cowards! After game four. So did Giannis, by the way. Cowards! Well, he's injured. Right? He was just getting treatment or something. Yeah, whatever. Well, John Morant's injured too, and Dylan Brooks' soul is injured. Yeah, you, you know what's injured? What's injured for all of them? Their playoff hopes. Their pride. Their pride. They're all cowards. My ego is bruised. Ooh, please don't touch it. If only there was some recorded footage of John Morant directly contradicting his actions. You remember that quote I said? Which about ain't ducking, no smoke. We run up the chimney. Simple as that. We ain't no conversations about not letting nobody get under your skin. If somebody, you know, comes towards you, ain't no, you can't back down. It's a soft person tennis game. We don't got no soft guys over here. Dylan Brooks saying, I poke bears, and then turns into a total pumpkin in this series after talking shit. <sighs> He's not even talking to the media. No, he's ducking the media. The second straight game that he has refused to talk to the media, walking past the media and telling Bam McMahon in the hallway at the crypt saying, I'm out. He's out of ideas. I'm out. He's out of trash talk. Guys, I want to do something highly irregular right now. Yeah. Give me the music for a means inconvenient truth. Oh, look at that. Look who's coming out of retirement. Dusting it off with the duster. It takes time to connect the dots. I know that. But also, I know that there could be a day of reckoning when you wish you connected the dots. More quick. More quick. What were we thinking? Why did we wake up when we had a chance? Move it! Demolish it! Blow it up! What gets us into trouble is not what we don't know. It's what we know for sure. That just ain't so. so. A means of convenient truth. Communicate this real clearly. The only way I do is... City by city, person by person, family by family. There are a lot of people go straight from denial to despair. Without pausing on the intermediate step of actually doing something about the problem. Problem. A means of convenient truth. Dylan Brooks, you suck. Mm. Damn. And that's a means inconvenient truth. 
Wow. 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 That's it. Playoff edition. Playoff mode. Shit, man. Efficiency. My PER is a thousand right now. It really is. Guess what, Dylan Brooks? You can duck the media. You can't duck LeBron, though. You'll see him on the court. Yeah, I was just wondering, down the stretch, when the Grizzlies needed a stop, who do they put on LeBron James? They took Dylan Brooks off of LeBron because LeBron was just too good. Yeah. And they put Xavier Tillman mm-hmm. and Roddy on that matchup instead of Dylan Brooks. And Dylan Brooks had to watch LeBron. LeBron James had never done a 2020, 20 points, 20 rebounds until Dylan Brooks said, I poke bears. He's old, but he still doesn't have Dylan Brooks's respect. What do you mean by that? Maze 20 and 20 adds up to 40, but it's not 40 points. Cause that's the only way to get Dylan Brooks's respect oh. is to drop 40 on him. That's it. So not only does LeBron tie the game on a crazy layup over Jaron Jackson's outstretched arms. Oh my God. That was so ridiculous. That shot. It almost went over the backboard. That's how high he kissed the glass. It was insane. Then there's that moment where he actually gets Dylan Brooks on him. What does he do? Goes right past him, goes right through him for another layup and one yells at the crowd. So Dylan Brooks, we know he sucks on offense, but he's not even doing what he's supposed to do, which is play defense. I think it means that at all. You suck. Inconvenient as it was for everyone. He sucks. He's out. Unless both of the gods are saying we're going to have a three, one comeback, but not a seven over two upset. Well, the three, one comeback. I have to say, if I'm looking at all these three, one series, fortunately, it's probably pointing me towards the Knicks oh. and the Cavs. <laughs> Guys, I love these cuts of the Knicks fans just going nuts. It's great. I want every fan base to do this. I want every fan base to, to climb be as light poles, block traffic. Yes. And block off seventh Avenue, a major artery of. One of the busiest cities in America, if not the world. No, I don't know if we should do this everywhere. It's what makes sports great is the fandom. Like, Pablo talked about it on on the show. Um, it's a first round series. It's amazing. That's what's so great about it. I mean, what do they do if they go to the conference finals? Do they just sack New York? Yes. Yes. They take over Miami officially. During the pandemic, the whole Southern migration of, of all of the finance bros going down to Miami and all the cryptocurrency bros going down to Miami, setting up shop. At that point, if the Knicks beat the Miami Heat, they just acquire, they colonize Miami. That's it. It is now under New York rule. Let me just say right now, we had Knicks Heat in 97. That was the 3-1 comeback for the Heat. We had Knicks Heat in 98. That was the 7-2. We had Knicks Heat in 99. That was the 8-1. We had Knicks Heat in 2000. That was the infamous Nick Bavetta, nip and tuck, nip and tuck series. And then we had Knicks Heat in 2013, which was LeBron James reciting J.R. Smith's dunk from game two Mm. decades later. And now we're on the cusp of Knicks Heat 6. If both those teams can close out, I submit to you, That's the ABC series. No. I don't give a shit what the other conference semis are. That's the ABC series. No. 
You're picking that over Curry, LeBron? Yes. No, you're not. Yes. No. Nobody cares. That shit-eating grin over there. Nobody cares. You know it. You're lying through your teeth right now. Nobody cares about Curry versus LeBron. You're right. Mm-mm. You're right. Knicks Heat 6. That's why it hasn't been orchestrated and puppeteered by Adam Silver himself. Well, you're not loving the Denver-Phoenix matchup we're about to have? You don't think that's going to be ABC? Look, let me tell you something right now. Keep your third eye open, folks. Every year, the NBA starts the season with a dream. That dream is to have relevance in the biggest media market in the country. Every year, that dream is dashed. Dashed into million eensy-weensy-teensy Jim Dolan-sized pieces. But this year, they not only have an opportunity to get relevance, not only an opportunity to stoke the flames of the most insane rabbit fan base in all the land, but they get to do it within the context of one of the most hated rivals in organizational history. I'm talking faxes, I quit. I'm talking about coaches holding on to people's legs. I'm talking about Dan Marley's dirty ass. Chopping, karate chop out of Houston. I'm talking about somehow Clarence Weatherspoon taking the last shot. Because Jamal Mashburn was a coward. I was up on Latrell Sprewell, tiptoeing on the side baseline, calling timeout. I'm talking about Charlie Ward getting flipped by P.J. Brown and then P.J. Brown getting curb stomped by the entire team. I'm talking about bullshit rules about people leaving the bench. Patrick Ewing was just looking. He had no point in it. I'm talking about Knicks versus Heat. A tradition like no other. Okay, Jim Nance. Give me all the ratings. I'll save the league. Oh, no one watches. Oh, Phil Jackson, I watch this the bubble. Guess what? He'll watch. He'll watch this. What do I mean I have to study for the finals? It's the playoffs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Maze, do we have the new intro of I did my own research? It's just Dan saying my head looks like a testicle. That's what you want. No, I'm saying, is that what you did? (laughs) I just trying to preempt the theory that you do. I love production notes from both of you guys. It's always a great part of my day. You want me to put your head looks like a testicle (laughs) in the research job. Am I getting that right? Dan was just doing his own research by looking at me on the set. 
So it kind of fits, doesn't it? You say so, Tom. What does that look like? You doing your own research? Are you doing studies yourself? Are you in the lab on a nightly basis? What are you doing? Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Doing your own research. I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to tell everyone that this is it. For me, it's just um, just giving everyone a chance to do their own research and find their own knowledge. some research because I kept hearing it from the broadcast. And finally I said, you know what? I'm tired of this stat not being kept in the box score. It's 2023. We talk about it all the time on the air and it becomes a talking point on all of the shows on first take all the charges that are being taken in the NBA, all the dangerous plays in the NBA, the block charge, LeBron James sneaking under John Moran, who already has a broken hand. The only way that LeBron can at this point, old LeBron can defend John Morant in an open court. No more chase down blocks. He doesn't have the legs for that. What he does have the legs for is taking his legs out. John Morant collapsing to the ground. Embiid hurt again, missing game four. And I'm tired of it. Tired of seeing these guys hit the deck. And I just want to know how often does this happen? How often in an NBA game does Joel Embiid fall to the ground? This is the investigative reporting that no one else will do. No one will attempt to do. Tom, you sat there and you watched the dude fall down over and over again? Yeah. I don't think the the optical tracking data keeps tabs on that. Not till Hawkeye comes in, boys. That's right. Then Tom's out of a job. That's true. That's true. Wait a minute. I'm not rooting for that. I don't want that. Well, you know what? We will have that sound of Dan saying my head looks like a testicle and that... I can never lose. All right. So Embiid, how many times in this game did he fall? I tracked it. I'm the only one who's ever done this before. Ever done this. No other reporter. Never in the history of. Never in the history. Not Chris Herring. Not, wait, not anyone else. What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, I just I just throwing names out there. You know, I just figured Chris Herring is a guy who usually writes stories that keeps track of weird numbers. Friend of the show. Author of Blood in the Garden. No. By the way, it's going to be Blood Cut in the up. Garden 2. Blood in the Garden 2. Wait, you're talking about Chris Herring, like our truth teller guest. Yeah. That was on a few weeks ago. Talking about John Morant. Yes, he was. One and the same. All right, let me see here. Oh, dear. Oh, no. I mean. What? The headline. ESPN, May 9th, 2019. Chris Herring byline. Why in the world does Joel Embiid fall down so much? Really? Four years ago, Tom. Did this all for not? I watched the entire game three. I have a pen and paper right here. Uh, I've got analog it. notes. My favorite. I love analog notes. Analog notes. Mm-hmm. Antelopes. No. Antelopes. Antelopes. Nope. Whoa. Settle down. <laughs> okay. Chris Herring uh, apparently already did this in 2019. This is upsetting. Very upsetting. He wrote a whole feature about why Joel Embiid falls so much. And it turns out at the end of his story, he falls so much because a foot specialist told him to. Because all that weight, that 300 pounds of Joel Embiid falling on his feet and absorbing all of that force in his foot is going to lead to more injuries or risk for more injuries. 
So if he can, kind of fall to the ground. All right. So the foot specialist wants him to protect his feet. Did he talk to a rest of the body specialist about <laughs> the impact on wherever he does land on? Also, was his foot specialist the LeBron James of foot specialists? That's the other question. Oh, uh, yeah. Clearly not. Yeah, how did LeBron get all his energy last night? I just don't know. Yeah, the LeBron James of energy specialists. He was drinking D'Angelo Russell's Cocoa 5. <laughs> We're saving that for the cold close. Oh. Maze. Another production note for you. Strike it. <laughs> so Chris Herring did this and watched every game of his 2018-2019 season and came to the conclusion that Joel Embiid falls every 10 minutes of basketball. He fell 244 times in that season, which comes out to about three times per game or roughly one fall for every 10 minutes that the Sixers center spends on the court. Guys, I have some breaking news for you. My research was not all for naught because I watched every minute of Joel Embiid's game in game three, and he fell a whopping nine times. Nine times. And you know how many minutes he played in that game? 90? Nine. 38. Oh, close. Cut the middle right there, right? Somewhere between your guess and mine. Halfway point, a little compromise. Nine falls in 38 minutes. So that's every 4.2 minutes. It's up. Two times as much. That's crazy. Joel Embiid is falling more than ever. At least in that game, game three, he fell almost two times more than any other player in that game. Mikel Bridges, five times. Claxton, he fell four times. And then a bunch of players fell three times. But what's most interesting to me, beyond the fact that Joel Embiid falls every four minutes in an NBA game, which can't be good. We need a body specialist, not a foot specialist. We need a body specialist on this, okay? Mm -hmm. The most interesting thing for me was the big fat zero next to James Harden. He fell zero times? James Harden fell zero times in an offensive action. He didn't fall once on a drive or a shot or on defense. The only time in game three that James Harden hit the deck was when I think it was Mikel Bridges picked his pocket and then James Harden dove for the loose ball. That was the only time he fell. And I kind of thought James Harden is the king of foul scamming and drawing fouls and free throws. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because he flops and he exaggerates the contact. Actually, in Chris Herring's article, he found that James Harden fell once every eight minutes on the floor. Not anymore. He's a reformed man. He's staying on his feet because he, maybe he consulted the body specialist. He's still standing better than he's ever been. I'm still standing. I don't know why Elton John is from Texas. I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great call. It does sound like Elton John if you were from Texas. Is <laughs> that or Shakira? And my soul survive. So Harden doesn't fall anymore. Does that mean that he's not attacking the basket anymore the same way with the same intensity? Yeah, I think he's either like in cruise control and realizing like I'm at the end of my career. I can't be falling all this. I can't get back up. That hurts the body, right? And I think James Harden in this postseason, yeah, they swept the Brooklyn Nets, but a little bit of a red flag that he's shooting nine of 34 on twos. 26% on twos. Mm. He has only 11 free throws. He had zero free throws in the first two games. He had three in game three. And by the way, I should, I should caveat. 
he didn't fall once in an offensive action or defensive play in game three, but he got ejected right in 29 minutes of action. So a little bit fewer minutes, but the fact is in games one and two, he played about 40 minutes and in each game and he had zero free throws. Something's up with James Harden. He's either saying, I'm going to be a pure passer now and I'm not attacking the rim with the same kind of desire to get to the free throw line. Cause that's exhausting. And it might be risky for injury, just like baiting people to hit my body and cause me to fall on the ground. Now I think we have sound of this, of James Harden talking about this exact thing about his change in style. Throughout the entire year, you know I mean? People expect me to be the scoring James Harden and the, the James Harden that, you know, goes out there and gets 40, 50 points, and then you, people talk, oh, you can't win like that. And then it's like, well, I'll go out there and get 20 points and 11 assists, and it's like, well, he's not he's not the old James Harden no more. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's always going to be something to say. Uh, so I don't even – I think about my role and what I can control and impact in this team the best that I can every single night and sacrifices my word that I'm going to continue to use for this year and, uh, and see what it, where it gets me. I hear what James is saying there, I mean, Mays, but I kind of feel like this isn't a style thing so much as it is just making baskets. His style might be to distribute more and facilitate more, and that's fine. He doesn't have to shoot and score 50 points a game like he used to in Houston. But what I'm saying is a lot of those drives that he used to do and those twos that he used to go to the free throw line, get fouled. Now they're just counting as missed shots and he's shooting 26% on twos in that series. Does he need to fall more? I don't know. But when you chew and bite your lip, it gets swollen and you're more predisposed to biting it again. And my thing is John Morant, when he falls all the time, he's landing on his hand and then he's got to land on his elbow next time to break his fall. When LeBron James goes underneath him, and he's probably going to hurt his elbow now or Anthony Davis is driving to the basket and then falling on his hip. And then he can barely move the rest of the game. I guess that happens every game with Anthony Davis. You know what's wrong with them? They don't know how to fall. Yeah. There's an art to falling. There really is There's an art to falling. They should take jujitsu classes with Tua Tagovailoa. Obviously learn how to fall, uh, <laughs> learn how to fall, learn uh, some grappling techniques, Learned some other things too that I I don't think uh, I should disclose, but for the most part, uh, learn how to fall. You'd think it's easy, just just don't fall and hit your head. But I mean, there's a lot more to it. I think we got to bring back the flopping fines. We got to bring it back. Where do they go? Embiid's flopping. Austin Reeves is flopping. Austin Reeves got MVP chance. Anthony Davis is flopping. James Harden's the only one who's not flopping. And you're saying he can't do it anymore. It's a lost art, you know? Father time comes for us all. I had to look at this up. The last time there was a flopping fine, it was 2020. Our guy, Marcus Smart, mm. when he dove into a different county outside Disney World and was fined $5,000. And that was in September of 2020. It's been three years almost since the flopping fine. Dare I say it, it's time to bring it back. We can't incentivize players falling all the time. We need to put Joel Embiid in some bubble wrap. We need this guy. He's going to win the NBA MVP. We know that because of Max Crow's crisscross applesauce crossfire. Max Crow's predicted that Joel Embiid is going to win the MVP. And he's just falling too much. Anthony Davis falling too much. You can't have Joel Embiid falling two times as much as he did when Chris Herring decided to write an investigative story about how often he falls. James Harden used to fall every eight minutes, and now he doesn't fall at all because his body can't handle it anymore. He's done. 
Let's bring back the flopping warnings, bring back anti-flopping rules, bring back the fines. That's my research. Sounded more like an agenda to me, I mean. Yeah, not to say, but Tom's inconvenient <laughs> truth. We spent 70 <laughs> minutes looking up a James Harden clip, and now you're making fun of me. No one knows about that. No one saw that or heard that. Production note, take it out. No, leave all of it in. Tom, now we can talk about what everyone wants to talk about. D'Angelo Russell's cocoa five drink. Now is an okay time to talk about this. It is. It is. I think so. If you didn't pay attention a few nights ago, D'Angelo Russell went to the podium to talk post game and he brought himself a little accessory, a little drink. We like to call cocoa five. What? That drink. Wow. No. No. So then they turned it into a legitimate commercial that they posted on their social media. And my favorite part is that they gave credit to Arash Markazi for recording. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, is Arash? Shout out to Arash. Is Arash a spokesperson? He should be. He should be getting a percentage at this point. That is ridiculous. I'm keeping my third eye open on this. Arash, if you're listening to this. Get your cut. My guy. Are you behind the whole Coco 5 stunt there? It's a great way to get it out there for sure. By the way, I know in the notes it said the league stopped him. It wasn't the league. That was Tanisha Cooper, I believe. Lakers PR. Defensive PR of the year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Move over, Jared Jackson. Do you think Tanisha's in on it too? I think she's in on it. A little too much levity and laughing in this banning as she made a big scene. Right, because if she just lets it happen, it's never a clip, right? Yeah. It's just another clip of D'Angelo Russell answering questions at the podium. Right. Wow. The whole back and forth there. And Arash, I'm not, I got my eye on you, buddy. These are all people who know each other. You got to remember something. All right, ready to open up your third eyes, guys? So Denise Cooper was doing PR for the Clippers before she did Lakers, right? So okay. she's been in this building around. Arash is a fixture in LA media. Yep. He's been around forever. And D'Angelo Russell, oh, did he just join the Lakers for the first time this year? No. Midway through? Nope, no. nope, 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 nope. Years and years ago. So all of these people all know each other. They're all in cahoots. They're all acting as one. That's my theory. Also, Knicks Heat 6. Let's go. It's going to be the ratings bonanza every game on ABC and ESPN and ESPN2 simulcast. You know what? Throw it on Freeform as well. You know what? Throw it on Disney Junior and Disney Plus. I don't even know if Disney XD is still there, but do it all. all across all platforms. Nat Geo, you get it too. Why not? Hulu, you get it too. Everyone is going to be watching Knicks Heat 6 break all those ratings. Is he still talking about the Knicks? Let's go!
Kevon Looney dropped 420 on 420, and no one wants to talk about it. It's a conspiracy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.